Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. Welcome back to a Thursday edition of the Sports Complex here on the Horn on the show today. We will get in to a little Texas basketball, get into looking at the rest of the season of the regular season as they are in their bye week. Got a big game coming up Saturday, then the bye week in the conference tournament and where that puts them in the world of bracketology. We'll talk about that We'll get into the games last night for Texas basketball teams in the NBA and what their future looks like uh, for the rest of the season as we get into All-Star Weekend. Of course, Patrick's big fat poll of the day. We'll play a great sound and interview with Drew Bishop talking Texas baseball as well on the show. Get a little bit more Texas football talk and a little bit talking about the Texans. We've talked about the Cowboys a lot recently. want to talk a little bit about the Texans and some of their biggest free agents Uh, decisions that need to be made in Houston for the Texans. We'll get to all of that and more, including your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So whatever you guys want to talk about, we can text that in, and we'll try and get to it on the show. We try to get to everybody's text. We try and talk about what you guys want to talk about because you guys are the reason we get to do this every every day. Uh, It's going to be a good show. I hope everybody had a good uh, Valentine's Day yesterday. If you went out and celebrated or if you didn't, I was just at the house, watched some some sports, watching basketball, and – Enjoyed myself. Didn't have to do anything too important. That's always a good day for me. So that was a nice one. If you went out and had a good time, I hope uh, I hope everybody uh, got the gifts they were looking for and had a finish of the night they were looking for. All of those things uh, that you could uh, that you could hope for on Valentine's Day. That's on a Wednesday night, or maybe you got your plans coming up on Saturday. It feels like you have to do with the Saturday before, not the Saturday, like the weekend before, not the weekend after. But that was the Super Bowl weekend. So it's harder. So maybe there'll still be some Valentine's Day happening uh, on the weekend when people have a, a little bit more free time. But uh, I hope everybody had a good one. Oh, and we're getting to the end of the week now. It's a Thursday afternoon. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the weekend, which is always a great thing. Uh, we get in. It's going to be NBA All-Star Weekend this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, tomorrow. But, uh, you know, you get the Super Bowl and then you get the All-Star Weekend. We get slam dunk contest and three-point shootout. And the skills challenge should be fun this year. Uh, all of that, Texas baseball starting up, college baseball starting up, spring training starting up. We'll get to start watching some baseball as well. It's getting to be a time of year. Football's over, but things are starting back up in other places, and we'll get into all of that as we continue along on the sports complex. Also, Texas women's basketball gets a big win uh, yesterday as well. Uh, they get a win 82-66 over Houston and Houston. Houston, not a great women's basketball team, great men's basketball team, who Texas is going to be playing on Saturday. Uh, women's team, not it there, uh, but Texas gets a good win. Uh, Madison Booker, of course, still just dominating uh, for Texas, 23 points in that game. Uh, Deanna Gaston adds on 21, uh, and then they just rebounded the ball, just rebounded the ball really well throughout that entire game. Get the rebounding edge, 42-24 to in that game. Uh, they have more offensive rebounds than uh, than Houston has defensive rebounds. That is one that you always want to see done where you can rebound the ball on both sides of the court and out-rebound them on both sides. Uh, it's a great game for the Texas women's team as they continue on, seeing where they can go. You know, had the, the bad injury to Rory Harmon earlier in the year, but they are still coming up. Madison Booker showing that this team has hope to continue on uh, for their dreams of getting further and further in the, w, in the women's uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, that'll be a fun 
journey to watch as they continue on and continue to get better as the season rolls on. Let's talk a little college basketball and Texas basketball. I thought since, you know, Big 12 are in a little break right now. There wasn't games last night. There's not going to be games again until Saturday. Uh, I thought we could look at a little bit of the crystal ball and look at what Texas needs going forward. Uh, They have seven games remaining on their schedule. They have some pretty tough road tests coming up and where they sit in bracketology right now. Most people are putting Texas as certainly in the tournament right now in an eight seed. Uh, They're they're pushed away. They're not on that 11 seed. They're not in that first four and they're not in that uh, last four out or first four out and last four in. They're not in that right now. They're at the eight seed. They've gotten a couple more quad one wins. That was a problem, you know, earlier in the season because they had played uh, UConn. They played Marquette, lost both those games. Uh, and that kind of put them behind the ball in quad one wins. They're now four and six in quad one wins, which is basically four and four in uh, Big 12 play uh, against those quad one teams, the best teams uh, that are going to get you the most points and most looks going forward. They have a lot more of those games coming up, though. If we look forward at the schedule for Texas, Texas does come out on Saturday. Uh, it's a noon uh, tip off for Texas as they take on Houston. That is going to be a, I'm sorry, 11 noon. Yeah, noon. I'm sorry, noon. Uh, noon tip-off for a game against Houston. Uh, that is going to be a really tough game. Tech, Houston's number three in the country right now. Uh, they're a really good team. They are 13-0 at home. That's something you're going to realize about all these road games that Texas has left, that these are really, really good teams at home. It's hard to get a road win. Uh, Texas did lose to Houston and Austin as well. It was a close game, hard-fought game, and one that it felt like Texas, if they had picked up the pace a little bit earlier in that game and got with the energy and intensity earlier in that game, they would have had a shot and a real good shot to pick up that win. That would have been a big one for Texas early on. Uh, Houston 8-3 and leading the way in the Big 12 right now. So a huge matchup. Uh, this is one that you know I'm not going to put a ton of faith into Texas being able to win this. With seven games left, what we're really looking at is three home games and four road games. You have to win all three of your home games left. You're playing K-State, you're playing Oklahoma State, and you're playing Oklahoma. You've already beaten Oklahoma before on the road. You need to be able to win that. K-State and Oklahoma State, you have not played so far this season. Oklahoma State has not won a road game. They're 2-9. and nine. That's a must-win game for Texas. That is like the West Virginia game. You need to be able to go in and take care of business against Oklahoma State in that game. Kansas State is another game that they have been struggling. They've had turned the ball over, had similar problems with Texas, but without the same amount of talent. Uh, Jerome Tang wasn't able to bring in the talent that he needed to at K-State to replace the guys that were exiting. Uh, you know, He was more of a transfer portal guy his first year. I think in the Big 12, it's going to be tough for him to keep up that transfer portal and, and bring in recruits. So I think he's trying to bring in some young guys and develop them, which he's really good at doing. Uh, but that still means that he's going to have to you know, rebuild this Kansas State program. They're not quite there yet, have the talent, uh, and they're going to be playing Texas on a Monday game after that Saturday game at Houston. So you have to be ready. No matter what happens on the road in Houston, you have to be ready to bounce back on Monday and win that K-State game because you need to be able to win all of your home games that are left. All three of those need to be W's going forward because you are not in a place right now where you can drop another one. You already dropped your ones that you could. You dropped those that uh, UCF game and the, in the West Virginia game were games that you could not drop, and you did. Uh, those are the reason why you don't have any more you know, gaffes going forward in this season to really make sure you're in the spots where you want to be going into the tournament. Those are three winnable games. You've got to win those. So that leaves you with the three road games. You start with Houston this Saturday. Next Saturday, you go to uh, Kansas, number six Kansas, another team that is 14-0 at home. They've had troubles on the road this season, but unfortunately, the way the schedule was, they don't play in Texas. You play them uh, at Kansas where they have where you're going to the fog, and they just have a great following there. They play much better. Their shooters hit shots better. Their defense picks up at home. Uh, that is going to be a difficult game. And in that stretch, this is going to be one of the most important stretches for Texas because if you say that Houston game is not a gimme, that Houston game is going to be a, you know, if you win it, great. I'm rooting for Texas to beat Houston on Saturday. I I wouldn't predict that they're going to. Uh, You're going to be playing a Baylor team uh, at the beginning of March. That's 13-1 at home. The only loss they have is a triple overtime game against TCU. You're going to be playing that game. It's a winnable game, but you're going to have to score at a very high level against a Baylor team. You want to go two and two. You want to go two and two out of these last four road games. 
Because if you can go five and two to end the season in this last seven, I think you're pretty good getting into the tournament. If you lose, if you lose three of them, you maybe can still get in. You're going to need a little bit better of a uh, conference tournament appearance, but you don't necessarily. You can still make it in. If you lose all four road games, it becomes harder for the committee to look at a team who's struggling down the stretch and think that they're going to be able to compete at a high level and may give it to a team that uh, has a little bit more upside and is playing better down the stretch. So you really need to be careful with these last four road games. And that stretch right there, the game on February 24th and then February 27th, that is a stretch of two really good teams at home between going to Kansas and going to Texas Tech. You lost to Texas Tech earlier this season. I think the team has improved a lot, that Texas has improved a lot since that loss. Uh, However, they are still in a place where Texas Tech is improving. Texas Tech just beat Kansas at Texas Tech. So that is a a tough road game. You need to pull one of those out. One of those has to be a W for sure. You cannot lose to both Kansas and Texas Tech Uh, because you're going to be in a real tough stretch right then. If you drop both those games, it's going to get harder and harder. The pressure is going to put more on you, make it tougher for you to play in that Baylor game. Uh, So they really need to try and get a win. We know Kansas is 7-5 and so far in conference play. Texas Tech is 7-4. and As much as people are giving them grief and giving Texas grief for dropping the game, I know you don't want to lose at home, but the grief that Texas was getting for losing that game at Texas Tech the reality of they're losing the game at Austin to Texas Tech is this is a really good team that if you take out a couple injuries and illness for Texas Tech, they may be right there with Houston atop the Big 12. They're 13-1 at home. Uh, it was a fluky game against Cincinnati that Cincinnati just kind of went in there and played tough with them and was able to get tall and big on Texas Tech. They don't necessarily have the size. Cincinnati's size was big enough. That's the one loss they have at home. Texas is going to have to use their size and ability to get some shots and play really good defense. Uh, against Tech at home, they don't necessarily have the most prolific scorers. So if you can play with a lot of intensity and rebound hard against them, they're going to be doing that at home. But you play that stretch, Kansas and Texas Tech, when we talk about where the season kind of hinges and where you're really looking at, can this Texas team get where they need to be to get into that 8-9 spot you want to be in the tournament and have a real shot to go in and win a couple rounds, try and get to that second weekend. And once you get to that second weekend, now you're feeling your oats. Now you can go and do what you need to do and hope you get the right matchups. That's just going to be a hard point for what how talented this team is this year. But you also know Max Asmus is a guy that we see. If his shot starts falling in the tournament, we don't know. He could be a March Madness legend or he could be a scapegoat. We don't know what he's going to be, but he has that possibility because he is an electric scorer, because of what we've seen him do in clutch time. If he's able to take that into tournament time and turn it up, then Texas has a real good shot. Dylan DeSue, what he's been doing, if that three-point shot keeps falling, you just want to get into the tournament with enough space to go make a big play after it and go after some of these teams. And so for me, if you're looking at it, this Houston game is going to be rough. It's just a hard team to match up for for Texas. They bring a lot of intensity. They play really good at home. Uh, Samson has that team going uh, just the way they want to be going right now, playing at a high level. They're 8-3 in conference play, 13-0 at home. It's going to be a tough ride on Saturday. We'll talk more about that game and the matchups tomorrow, uh, but that's a tough one. You've got three home games you can win. You have to win all three of those. And then if you can go out of those, you know, out of the four remaining road games you have, against number three Houston, number six Kansas, Texas Tech that will be ranked, and number 12 Baylor. All four road games are against teams that are ranked right now or probably will be ranked at the time that Texas plays Texas Tech in a couple weeks. I think you 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 have to win two of those to really feel like you're going to be in a spot where you want to be and have the confidence that you can go win on the road. Texas right now, in most projections, is an eight seed in the tournament. They're getting in because they're in a Big 12, because of who they are, because of the talent that people feel they have there. They are putting them in as an eight seed. You really don't want to drop down, but I think Texas is probably right now sitting at that nine or ten seed spot. Uh, Not a lot of wiggle room for this team. You really need to be able to play big on those road games. It's just a little bit of expectations for everybody as we get closer and closer uh, to the end of the season. Seven games left. You know, keep expectations where they need to be for this Texas team. If they overperform, if they win six out of the last seven, then this team is turning the corner at the right point, and we look really good. If they go seven and zero, then I, I'll be I'll be amazed. I'll be frankly amazed. And I know I've defended this team. I defend Rodney Terry because I think he's a good coach. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot that they can do. 
But just looking at the landscape of the Big 12 and college basketball right now, uh, it's going to be tough for them to be able to get to where they really want to be unless they start really turning that corner and Max Acemas starts playing at a higher level for 40 minutes where he is not so reliant on being uh, a huge part of the offensive game that it takes him out defensively because we've seen that in games and we know that on the road, a lot of these teams are going to try and ball deny Max Acemas. He's only around six foot. So if they have a guy who's six three, six four, they'll ball try and ball deny him all game. If he can't get the ball in his hands until late, he still needs to be a factor on both ends of the court. If he can do that, which he's done in a couple games now since I've been really critical, he's looked better at that. He needs to continue to do that at a high level for this Texas team to be able to compete as they want to be when they can go down the stretch, or else this is a team that is going to you know just get st- you know the, the short of the stick that they lost some games early before they figured out the rotation that they needed. They had, you know they lost some games early uh, before Dylan DeSue was back to full strength, and it's going to bite him in the butt when it comes down to it, and it comes down to selection time for uh, Texas. Uh, let's look at a little NBA of what happened last night. Uh, the Spurs do lose to the Mavericks, hung in with them, had a lead going into the second quarter, played a really good beginning of the game. Uh, in the second quarter, Kyrie Irving started to show up in that game and turned it around, and by the third quarter, the Spurs could not hit a shot. The defense intensity picked up for the Mavs out of the locker room. Uh, they were saying before the game that the Mavs weren't really taking it that seriously. They looked like they were kind of screwing around in warm-ups that it would look like they were taking the Spurs pretty lightly. And what the beginning of the game would tell you was they were taking it lightly, and by the time they came out at half, they weren't anymore. They understood where they need to be going forward, uh, that they're in a position where they're the difference between fifth and seventh place right now in the West is a game. You can't be dropping games to a team like the Spurs. You have to be able to win it. They come back, win 116-93. to uh, Kyrie Irving has a big game. He is, I, was, I told you yesterday, Kyrie Irving is a Spurs killer. That's what he does really well. He goes 34-9-7 in the game. Uh, Victor Wiminyama has another big game, 26-9-5 in the game for him as well. Uh, Kyrie Irving had a play that you have to watch. We know there's a great behind-the-back pass from Wiminyama in the game, and there was a drive where Kyrie Irving drives right at Wiminyama and is able to find a path to get a shot up and kind of falling over gets one up over him. And uh, Wiminyama after the game said he got lucky. But it was a good game for the Mavs to get the win. P.J. Washington still not fully in in the offensive rhythm. Daniel Gafford has another double-double, another 10-10 game. He's getting better. I think you know if he can consistently get the rebounds, they're going to be able to help him out defensively a little bit more. P.J. Washington playing some decent defense. Uh, he's using his length, trying to get out there and get after the ball, gets a few rebounds. He's just shooting has not been there. Kyrie Irving talked after the game about – him trying to find where he's comfortable going from a situation in Charlotte where there wasn't really the star and LaMelo's the star, but he's a point guard and he's passing the ball. And, you know, I think that the offense was a little bit more regimented there. Uh, And in Dallas with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, he doesn't necessarily want to step on toes. So he's passing up some shots he should be taking. He ends up going uh, one for six shooting, uh, puts up three points, but does get six rebounds. Uh, which is something you want to see for him as he continues on. Uh, the Rockets drop a disappointing one, uh, 121 to 113 to the Grizzlies. Uh, Jalen Green and Jabari Smith have one of their worst combined outings. Uh, they combined for 10 points, just not really ever to get it going uh, offensively for those two guys. And we get Jaron Jackson Jr. is a defensive player of the year. Like he's a really good player. So there is reasons that this Memphis team does play good defense, and it can be hard on a younger team to figure out how to score against that. Uh, what you do like is Amin Thompson, the rookie from this season, had a really good game, 19 points, 12 rebounds. He ends up fouling out of the game. They did foul a lot. 41 free throws for the Grizzlies is one of the things that swings it. Uh, but the Grizzlies get a win. The Rockets are just right out of uh, out of that uh, play-in game. They're a few games back. They need, to go, need wins over teams like the Grizzlies where you can get them. Uh, so a disappointing loss last night, but they get a break over All-Star Weekend to rest up, get some of their players back. We'll go more into that tomorrow about what the NBA teams need for Texas, what their future looks like as they go in to the All-Star break and the remaining part of the schedule. All right, let's get to the big fat poll of the day so we can play this interview uh, from Drew Bishop talking some Texas baseball as well. Let's hit that big fat poll of the day. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. 
All right, big fat poll of the day today, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is a text line. I'm going to add a couple more uh, questions for you in the 5 o'clock, but let's start off because we were talking Texas basketball, and we were talking about the seven remaining games for Texas basketball this season. So the poll of the day, how many more games will Texas win this season? They have seven more, and I'm just saying regular. I don't want to put in conference and, and tournament or whatever else, but the regular season out of the next seven, you've got an at Houston, Kansas State's here in Austin, at Kansas, at Texas Tech, Oklahoma State here, at Baylor, and then Oklahoma here to close out the regular season. How many more of those games, how many do you have them winning? We'll see the haters. We'll see the people with, with faith. That's our poll of the day. How many more games will Texas win? They got seven left in the regular season. How many of those will they come out and finish up winning? Uh, that's what I want to see from you guys. 512-447-3776. Anything else you want to talk about, hit us up on that text line. 512-447-3776. All right, let's uh, get to the break. We'll take a quick one. We will come back and uh, get into a interview from this morning on Hook 'em Up with uh, Drew Bishop. He's the director of scouting for Five Tool Baseball. He's talking about Texas baseball. It starts off this weekend, so I thought we'd throw some of that on the show today. We come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Back on the sports complex here on the Horn. I want to get to this interview with Drew Bishop talking Texas baseball. Tech telling is open 512-447-3776. Asking you how many more games will Texas win this regular season? Seven games to go, four on the road against what well, should all be ranked opponents and three at home uh, against games that are winnable. But you never know. They've lost some winnable games already this season. So how many more games does Texas win out of the next seven regular season games? Let us know on the text line what you got. If you want to say which games you think they will, if you have a, you know, if you think why or well, you know, why you're saying they win more or why you're saying they win less, I'd love to hear that too. Uh, but let me know on the text line, 512-447-3776. Want to play this interview from this morning. Uh, Drew Bishop, who is the director of scouting for Five Tool Baseball, came on, gave a great preview of Texas baseball for everybody as we get ready to kick off the Texas baseball season. It's a hook 'em up replay here on the Sports Complex. Let's uh, go to the Vaqueros hotline. And uh, baseball season is here. As football season winds down, we know the Astros and Rangers are going to spring training and pitchers and catchers, but we got college baseball. It's going to be a great year. The Longhorns' final season as a member of the Big 12 Conference begins this weekend with San Diego in town. And who better to preview the upcoming season, the roster, the schedule. And then uh, he is the director of scouting at Five Tool Baseball, but a former assistant AD and baseball operator at Texas under David Pierce, a Texas baseball alum, former player there. He is Drew Bishop. Drew, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. I'm good. I'm good. Happy baseball season. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. Nice. And uh, I was saying this earlier to Rod because we were looking through this roster, and it does feel like this team for David Pierce, uh, I want to talk about the coaching staff changes and, and remind everybody of everything that's changed, but but the team itself kind of reminds me a little bit of the football team where you had some veteran guys that could have moved on or you probably expected to move on that didn't. You also have some young guys who were freshmen last year that you expect to take a big step forward as sophomores. And then you've got this young freshman class that are coming in. Uh, I think it's going to make for a pretty deep team, especially when you get guys like Porter Brown and um, you know Peyton Powell uh, to be back on Jack O'Dowd at second base. I mean, these are guys that are going to be back as veterans with a young core as well. 
Yeah, it's huge. You know, when I was still working with the team, I mean, it, it's it's nice to be able to go lay your head down at night when you're a coaching staff, uh, knowing that you have that experience, uh, especially in some key spots. You know, you've got you got guys like you mentioned. You have Jared Thomas back, Peyton Powell, uh, Porter Brown in the outfield. So you've got you have people at pretty much every level um, of the defense and throughout the lineup. Uh, and then bringing a guy back like LeBaron Johnson to have the pencil in every Friday night is, uh, that is just something that gives you a, a good start and a good feel going into every single weekend. No question about that. So uh, start at the pitching staff, and then, Rod, we'll get into the position players. But uh, when you talk to you, yeah. LBJ, LeBaron Johnson Jr., we all remember that amazing uh, performance at Miami last year in the playoff, in the uh, tournament, and uh, LBJ really got a hold. I mean, no one works harder, according to David Pierce, on his craft and trying to get better to develop himself. But he's back on Fridays. You've got Charlie Hurley. You've got Tanner Witt. Just give us your overview of those four guys and some other guys that could challenge for uh, starting rotation spots this, this season for Texas. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, it's it, it's going to be a pretty pretty cool thing to follow throughout the uh, preseason, or I guess before we get to conference. Um, you know, you got Le- LeBaron on Friday. Uh, you know, Charlie Hurley's back. I think he'll start out the the, the season on Saturdays, and then Sundays you could go a number of routes. Um, you know, that might be the spot that you use Tanner. Uh, you have Luke Harrison coming off of an injury that's been throwing the ball well. And then Cody Howard's been throwing the ball well too. So, um, you know, there, there's going to be some options, you know, it's, it's always, you know, it's, it'd be nice to pencil in and know who you're going to have as your starting three heading into any season. But, you know, at this time of the year, it's kind of a big puzzle. You know, you kind of look at it, you got four games a week. You're trying to, trying to fill 36 innings is really what it boils down to. And, you know, with the prevalence, you know, at the major league level and starting to creep down into college with using openers and stuff like that, um, you know, especially with some guys coming off injury. You know, I, I think it's uh, the responsible thing to do, I think, is what Coach Pierce has wanted to do and find a way to work those guys in early in the season um, and, you know, be ready to go by the time you, you hit conference play, uh, which is – which is something to, to pay attention to. But there's, there's a number of guys that will be in the mix for some of those innings to, you know, to complete those 36 innings over the course of a week. You know, you mentioned LeBaron's going to give you a good chunk. I think uh, Hurley's going to give you a good chunk. We mentioned Witt, mentioned Cody Howard. Uh, Max Grubbs is a guy that I think is going to get some innings. Cole Selvig uh, on the freshman side. Um, and then you've got some, some guys at the back end of the bullpen that I think people are excited to see uh, with Gage Bame, uh, and the Fontenot kid who transferred in from McClendon after being at LSU. And then having a guy like David Shaw back in the mix, um, returning so quick after an injury is, is going to be a huge uh, shot in the arm for them. You know, no pun intended, of course. But, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think is going to be counted on as kind of a leader of the bullpen. Uh, you know what you're getting with him. He's super competitive. Uh, guys seem to listen to him. Um, and then on, on the freshman side of things, mentioned Cole Selvig, who's thrown the ball well. Easton Toomey's is a freshman that they're really excited about. And then Hudson Hamilton uh, is a kid, too, that, you know, he just kind of has that mentality. You know, a lot of the things that people said about Chance Ruffin as far as, you know, the bulldog on the mound, that being tough, wanting the moment, I think a lot of that stuff is kind of what you hear about Hudson. So um, the exciting thing for, for us and for Texas fans is that you have a lot of options. Um, and that'll afford him the ability to kind of tinker with some stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those years, I think, where, you know, you may look up in April and see who's starting on the weekend and who are the key relievers. And it might be completely different than what you see this first weekend. But, you know, that, I think that's kind of the exciting part about this team is, um, is that, you know, it's a big puzzle and trying to figure out where to fit some of those guys in their key spots is going to be a, a big part of the early season. Uh, and, you know, it's when you have options, it makes that a lot more exciting rather than scary. Uh, you know, I was I was part of some teams that, you know, we we had some options, but we didn't really like a lot of them. Uh, so, you know, just you you were throwing stuff against the wall, and you know, there was you saw that a little bit last year with the inconsistency in the bullpen. That's that's a scary place to be. Um, you know, when you have when you have guys that you know can do it, but you don't know what you're getting every time out. That can be that can make it really tough to kind of adjust and have a, in setting your rotation going into a season or into a series. But 
you know, they, like I said, the exciting thing is is that we've got options. So um, that'll be something worth following in the early season before we get to conference. Andrew, uh, what would you predict is going to be the strength of this of this team and this squad this year? Man, I think you know, like I, I would say, just the experience and the depth of the position players offensively. Um, you know, I think it's a really good mix of talent, you know, guys that have been there. Um, and then, you know, they'll have some, they have some options. One of the things I like is that, you know, they're the question about where Jared Thomas is going to play is going to uh, dictate a lot of the lineup. I think, you know, he's been moved out to center field some uh, early on. And, you know, we can, we know he can play first base in the sleep. You know, they were counting on Luke storm coming in and possibly filling that first base spot, but you know, the, the thing they always had in their back pocket is that if it didn't work out, that JT can always play there, you know, and doesn't have to spend a whole lot of time to prepare for it. He's just naturally good at the spot, and he's had a lot of experience there. But the the thing about it is that there's so many talented options that you can put in the outfield. Um, you know, you obviously Porter Brown's a guy that they're going to pencil in quite a bit. You have really talented freshmen and Will Gasparino and Tommy Farmer. Um and then Max Blue's been hitting the ball as, as well as anybody uh, before the season. So, you know, the, it, be, there will be some ways they can try out and tinker with the lineup a little bit and just kind of, like you said, that puzzle piece on the, on the pitching side exists on the offensive side. You just know where a lot of the pieces fit already going into it offensively. But, you know, one of the ex- exciting things about it, I think, is, you know, we mentioned having the young guys with Tommy Farmer, Will Gasparino, um, is that you've got some other options when those freshmen need a break, you know, because that, that's something a lot of people, you know, don't really understand is that it's tough and it's adjustment, you know, no matter how good you are, there's, there's an adjustment going to this level of college baseball. And sometimes you just need a day off and recharge. And, you know, I mean, some, a lot of these kids haven't had a weekend where they've gone, you know, one for nine or zero for nine in their life. And and that'll probably happen at some point for a freshman playing this level of competition, but being able to slot some guys in and give them a spell for a day or two um, is is a nice luxury to have, you know, it's, it's just something that this lineup should be afforded uh, with the talent and depth that they've got and that they've built. So um, yeah, I think that's something that, that might play a key role. Uh, But, you know, mentioned farmer, he's, extremely athletic possibly the best athlete on the team Gasparino's you know kind of the headliner of that recruiting class coming in and then you you know you brought in Seth Werchan and uh Casey Cummings too and it seems like Casey Cummings every time they're on TV whether it's the Fall World Series or alumni game the kid hits a home run so um he, he might be a guy that surprises us too when he gets his chance uh and then freshman Nick Sanders talent wise is um pretty special you know and him evolving he's they've been toying with him at first base some and um i think that's a spot that he might get some looks if you end up putting jared out in center field or he may dh he's just got that kind of juice in his bat that you just may have to find a spot for him in lineup it does feel like a very deep team. We're talking to Drew Bishop, previewing the Texas baseball season. It opens up tomorrow, a three-game series with San Diego. He is the director of scouting at Five Tool Baseball right now, former, though, um, you know, assistant AD at baseball operations at Texas, played at Texas, and knows this roster front to back. I mean, so many questions coming off of what you just said because, you know, the, the freshman class much heralded, and, of course, the Major League draft did not diminish it. Uh, you mentioned Tommy Farmer from uh, Santa Monica, California. Uh, you mentioned Will Gasparino. He's the big 6'6 prospect. His uh, father is uh, the director of uh, what the minor leagues for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, a lot of expectation for these young guys, and that's why I say the mix of veterans and then you know, the Jared Thomas, Jalen Flores group, and now here comes this, this really talented group of freshmen. Uh, how good is this Gasparino, and, and what can he provide in year one? He's special. You know, I think there, there's some things that you see him do. You know, I, at, probably at, at this time last year, I don't think there were a whole lot of people in the baseball world that thought that he was going to make it to campus. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of kid that you take a swing on in recruiting. And, you know, every, you know it's always funny. It's, you see the, the, the joke on, the, on all the websites when a kid commits for baseball, it's like, okay, what are the chances he shows up? You know, and that part of the game's changing a little bit. Uh, you know, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of those talented kids make it to college. Um, partially because of the NIL and then partially with, 
you know, the draft being shortened and the prevalence of analytics in the sport, you know, I think that a lot of teams are just moving to models where they want the older guy coming out of college because they have more data on him. Um, so I think over these next couple of years, you're going to start seeing a lot more guys like that make it to campus. And, and Will falls into that category. You know, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. You know, I, um, you know, I played with Drew Stubbs. Drew is one of my roommates and still one of my best friends. And, you know, I, I don't know if he's as straight line fast as Drew, but I think he's a little bit more polished at this point in his career than, than Drew was. But you, a lot of the things that you would have said about Drew as a prospect, you'd probably say about Will. Um, so, you know, obviously for Longhorn fans, that's an exciting thing if, if he even approaches that level of, of what Drew was able to do while on campus. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, he, he gets some of those comps because he's long, he's tall. Um, and, you know, obviously you mentioned the dad, his dad's baseball background and all that. He's, he's been around the game. He's played in a great program. And, um, you know, you, you talk about that freshman adjustment, you know, it's, it, you never know, you know, I think that's, that was one thing that always struck me is there's always a guy in every class that you don't expect as much from that comes out and ends up being, one of your best players over the course of his career. And there's, there's always some that, that don't turn out to be that. So you never know, but um, you know, with the talent and upside that Will has along with a handful of some of these other kids in this class, it's, it's pretty exciting to think about the future for the Longhorns on the baseball field. Andrew, what are your thoughts about how, um, you know, coach Pierce now obviously becoming the uh, pitching coach as well, um, how that responsibility is kind of going to change um, the, his methodology, uh, having to be that hands-on. Do you, do you expect it to change anything at all? Not a whole lot. You know, I mean, he, as long as – I mean, the whole time I was there and even these past couple of years, he, he's always been involved to some extent with the pitching. Um, and so it's not like it's a new role for him. He's been a pitching coach. He's, he's done it at a really high level. Um, in his career so he knows he knows what he's doing obviously um, he knows he's he knows how to handle it and you know a big component of that is is having Chris Gordon in the building you know uh, he's not technically on the staff but in his role he's a lot allowed to help with a lot of the preparation for him so you know some of the day-to-day -day stuff that can bog down a pitching coach isn't really an issue for coach Pierce because he has Chris you know Chris was has a, a long track record of, of being a really successful coach and pitching coach specifically coming from Duke. And, um, you know, I know that, that that went into the decision of, of him taking on that role is that he knew he had somebody in the building that was going to be able to take away some of the day-to-day -day, uh, monotony that, that a pitching coach would have to, to handle um, if that was his only job. So, you know, I don't, I don't see it changing a whole lot. You know, I think, uh, the other component of it is, is, you know, coach Pierce has coached third in the past. And, you know, luckily on staff, you have a guy like Steve Rodriguez who, you know, he coached third when he was um, the head coach at Baylor. So he's got experience there. Um, you know, they brought it, you know, elevated Caleb from volunteer coach to full-time coach with the new, with the new rules. And then having too low back in the building is, is going to pay dividends. You know, it's a it, it's a well-constructed staff, I think. And, um, you know, pretty much all your bases are covered when it comes to position positionally uh, on the defensive side. Um, you've got people that coach each of those positions. And um, I don't think you're going to notice a whole lot of the change, you know, if you're it, based on the product that, that's going to be out on the field. Drew Bishop with us. Uh, you picked. You mentioned Tulo. Troy Tulowitzki is back, director of player development. We know how hands-on he was with uh, the Ivan Melendezes and the, the career, the, the Murph Staley, and just how much better they improved the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the director of player development role, what is that? I know it's kind of a new new role with David Pierce as head coach and pitching coach and Steve Rodriguez, Caleb Longley, and Philip Miller. How, do you, how would you define what uh, Troy is going to be asked to do day-to-day -day and as the season goes on? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the a lot of the value that Troy brought when I was there and, you know, I, what I'm assuming continues to bring is just, you know, the the respect that he commands uh, from the players because it's a, it's a guy that you know has done it at the highest level um, as well as anybody. You know, I mean, he, he's a guy that if he doesn't get hurt, he's probably in the Hall of Fame or still playing, you know, and, and so, you know, just that 
understanding and presence and aura that he has, um, you know, I, I think it rubbed off quite a bit on the team uh, as far as, you know, it, he allows, he, he teaches them how to prepare, you know, and that was something that um, we were really good at, but when he came in, but just took it to another level when he got there. Um, you know, I think that he's just one of those guys that that's kind of what he was known for is his preparation and um, just being a, an all-out grinder, even at the talent level he was. And, you know, getting to see that work ethic and how to go about it has just, you know, been taken to another level with our team. Um, it's just – it's something that's there every day. And, and seeing those guys that have done it, just – it tends to have a an effect on the players. I mean, probably a lot in the same way that, uh, that a Michael Huff does on the football side of things. Just, just knowing that there's guys in the building that have seen it, have done it, um, it's just, it's just another, it's just another voice in there that kids can look to and really learn from. And um, you know, I think he's going to have a, a, a big, you know, he's a, he's another set of eyes to the coaching staff, which is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and having been in the pro game as long as he was, it's kind of just, it's a different, it's a different view and a different look and just, you know, sometimes a different way to go about things. And, you know, I, I know that we made some small tweaks here and there when he showed up. Um, but just the, the aura that he brings, the, the confidence that he gives the kids, the, the ability to be a sounding board is invaluable. And I think that's that that's what he brings to the program in spades. No question. Uh, last thing for me, Drew, we talked about the infield, the outfield a little bit, the pitching, the bullpen, has, it has to be developed, the puzzle that it is. What about catcher? I mean, uh, that obviously, Gary Gilmet was so vital last year, Silas Ardwan before that. Uh, that's always a huge yeah. position in college baseball to, to be a good backstop and handle the pitching staff. Um, is it Riley Galvan, the youngster from Sinton, and uh, who would be his top competition behind the plate? So I think, I think early on you're probably going to see a split. Um, what that split is, I guess, will be determined by how well they play. But Kimball Schusler, um, I think, has had a good offseason. Uh, and then Ryland Galvan. So the, the important thing is is that we have options. Again, I, you know, I don't know if, if – so, I'm sure plenty of people out there listening to this would remember that 2019 season when, when we lost DJ Petrinsky and then Michael McCann went from backup to everyday guy and then he got banged up and – then we got we got put in a spot where you know it, it was tough you know and having having an issue at catchers is, is is a scary scary proposition because it just affects so much um, but you know I think the good thing is with those two guys you know you're you're not going to affect the pitching I think that's the thing you worry about the most with at the catching spot um, obviously Gilmet was a a very pleasant surprise the way he handled things last year. I mean, he had a track record at USC of doing well, uh, but I, I think he came in and kind of grabbed the bull by the horns, uh, no pun intended, but he um, was really good in that spot. And I think that they're at a spot with, with those two, with Schuessler and Galvan, that they feel comfortable. Um, and that's, you know, the, the tricky thing about it when you're evaluating it on the, on the baseball side for the catching spot is a lot of the, it's one of those positions that a lot of the things that really matter, you don't notice a whole lot unless it goes yeah. wrong. And, and so, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that you can tell pretty early on. And, you know, it, it, we've been blessed the last couple of years with some of the guys that you mentioned, you know, Silas was probably as good as we've had going back to a guy like Cameron Rupp and Taylor Teagarden. So, you know, it, not having a huge drop off last year was invaluable. Um, and so I think, you know, I think that's going to be a big part of it is just getting those guys comfortable with the pitching staff. Um, and, and you may see, you know, I mean, a lot of people go back to when you had the duo of Taylor T garden and Curtis Thigpen, where it was kind of one, a one B and the other one would stay in the lineup. Um, I, I think the, I think between those two guys, you know, you may see some situations where one guy catches another guy more often. Um, and it may, you know, so that may come down to who's, uh, who's putting the lineup is who's starting that day. So, um, but the, the, overall, the important thing is, is you got two guys that they feel comfortable with and um, look forward to ha- having throughout the season. 
Drew, we appreciate that very much. That's really a good deep dive into this Texas baseball team as the Longhorn fans try to get up to speed on what's coming. Uh, great schedule this year. There's a great uh, tournament down in Houston that they're going to be a part of. Yep. We'll certainly talk about that. But, man, thanks so much. Uh, we'll check in again as the season progresses, as the puzzle gets played. But a lot of, lot of talent at all levels, and it um, looks like it's going to be a fun year of Texas baseball. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely, guys. Hook them. There you Thanks, go. Drew. Former Texas player, former director's uh, uh, baseball operations t- boss there, mm-hmm. working with David Pierce, and now uh, the director of scouting for Five Tool Baseball. And that's a deep dive on this team. Really talented. That's the thing that jumps out. Good stuff there. I'm hooking up with Ian Rod B. and uh, Drew Bishop talking about Texas baseball as their season is getting ready to kick off. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll kick off taking your text. 512-447-3776 is the text line. Big fat poll of the day. How many more games will Texas win in the regular season? Seven games left, four on the road, all likely to be ranked opponents, and three at home that can be winnable games. How many more will they win the rest of the season? That is a poll of the day. Love to hear more from you. Anything else you want to talk about as well, you can text that in 512-447-3776. We'll get to the text line. We come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Taking you through a Thursday afternoon, getting closer and closer to the weekend. Texas baseball starts tomorrow. We get All-Star Weekend coming up. It's going to be a good one. All right. Uh, let's get to text line 512-447-3776 is the text line. Big fat poll today. How many more games will Texas win in the regular season? Would love to have your opinion on that. Anything else you want to talk about, send that in. Uh, let's get to the text on man. Nate says uh, for, for Valentine's Day, he ended up with this 10-year-old kid sharing our bed for Valentine's night. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, I could tell you seem very excited that uh, your Valentine's night was was hanging out with the kid. You know, that's it's why you got to take him out and, you know, Valentine's Day, get, get him to the, the grandparents, get him to the babysitter. Babysitter, I'm sure babysitters, do they charge high rates, high rates on, a, on a Valentine's Day? They want to be going out? With the guys that they're hooking up with when you're out of town and you're they're at your house, I don't know. I don't know how babysitters work anymore. I I've, it's been too long since I've been I've been at the age of babysitter age of uh, of the kids side of it, and I don't have any kids of my own, so I have no clue how any of that works. Uh, for our big fat poll today, Texture says four, four is a four is not a crazy number because that's the three home wins, and then that's one and three on the road. Again, I'm hoping for five. I'm hoping for five, but uh, we'll see. If, you know, this weekend Saturday will be a big start to it. Uh, what they can do in Houston. Rye guy from New Mexico says, "I believe they have the talent and the skill to win all seven, but I think they'll win five. I, I think they have the talent and the skill. If they're playing their best basketball, they can compete with anybody in the country. And that's a you know that's this Texas team has a you know." We've seen what Tyrese Hunter can do when he's shooting well. We know what Max Aismas, we know he's probably capable of putting up 40, 50 points in a game if he were able to get his shot going before the you know last eight minutes of a game, then he could put up huge numbers. But he just has trouble getting it to where he's shooting that super high level until it becomes clutch time. And then Dylan DeSue has been able to put up big numbers as well. Dylan Mitchell has shown at times he can be really electric in getting to the rim uh, and then playing defense and rebounding. But, yeah, they haven't been able to put that together consistently enough, and that means that it's uh, it's why we say five. And five's really, I think, I think that's where you're looking at is pretty much a, a really good case scenario for Texas because I think if you win five of those games, you have a decent conference tournament appearance. You can still sit at that number eight seed uh, pretty easily in the, uh, in the brackets for the NCAA tournament. Let's see. Uh, Chan says, uh, thoughts on Chris J playing more? Should RT allow it, or is RT set on the lineup? Is Chris more of a point guard or a shooting guard? Thanks. I think he's going to be more of a point guard. I mean, point guards in today's basketball have to be able to score, too. Uh, I, I, the reality is, when you have Max Aismas and Tyrese Hunter, and in most games he's trying to play them uh, 35 minutes, you know, in that 35, 37, 38-minute range, uh, you know, there's not a ton of time left, and I'm I'm a big proponent. You know, you've heard me on the show say before multiple times that I'd like to see Chris Johnson find a way to get him into the games. 
Uh, you're a little bit late in that now. Hopefully, you may be able to see it at some of the home games that you'll be able to get far enough ahead and be able to get into a place where you can have him and be, you know, get him a little bit more ready for playing time and see if he's got anything. Uh, the problem has been the games he's got into, especially on the road, uh, they attack him immediately. And they will try and pressure him anytime the ball's there and try and get him. And he's he's made some mistakes. And one thing you can't do is turn the ball over. And so if you come in the game and before you even get a shot off, they double team you like you're a star player and you just you're not thinking that I'm going to come in as a freshman and they're going to double team me. So they double team and then you immediately throw the ball away. Uh, they kind of know to attack when he gets in. And I think RT has been able to see that that's not necessarily the best case for him. Uh, and then also Chan says the intensity and consistency, which with this team have been a miss this season, hard to say which games they, sh- they will win. Uh, best chances are the home games with what's all at stake now with this team. Uh, yeah, I think the home games, you know, three wins is, is where you're, you, you've got to win at least one of these on the road. If you lose all four on the road, uh, it's going to be tough. You've been a pretty good road team. You've shown a little bit more intensity on some of the road games because you've been able to, I think, take them seriously and understand the season really being on the line. And that's why I say that that run right there of Kansas and Texas Tech, both on the road, I think is a big game, or like that's a big two-game stretch for Texas, uh, that if you can win one of those games because your back's going to feel up against the wall, and if you lose to Kansas at Kansas, then going into Lubbock and and how you know you know how intense that that building is going to be against you leaving the Big Twelve they want to come after you. Uh, we'll see if they can come out and get a performance uh, against there. Uh, uh, Nate also has a new poll: How far we have Texas going in your bracket? I don't think I could pick them getting out of round one. And, and then they, the reality is, it depends on you know what the matchup is. Can they? Are they probably better and can play with some of these teams? And especially when you say Max Aismas is clutch, yeah, they can easily beat a first round team if you're an eight seed. They can get that win, and you know they can move on and and continue to play in this tournament. I think they're more built for a tournament play uh, than Big Twelve play because I think they can match up in different ways. The question is, does RT let them match up and play to the other team? Where I think if you're an eight or nine team, you have to do that more. Uh, than what he tried to do earlier in the year, which was impose his will. And they just have the talent to impose will. That's one of Kansas's problems this year is they've tried to walk in and say, this is how Kansas plays basketball. And they went to Texas Tech and it didn't work. And so if you don't hit those shots, none of that, that how we play is not going to matter. Uh, I think they, they have a shot to go in. And depending on matchups, you know, it's like Texas matched up with Purdue one year. And you just went, well, crap, that's probably the worst matchup we could have had in the tournament with an electric guard and a big man. Uh, you know, not every team has that, so I think there's different chances Texas has. But you have to get there, and you have to get there in a better seed than if you get in there at a 10 or an 11 seed. It's just going to be so much harder for Texas to get a win or two in the tournament. Then that 8 seed, it's a little bit easier to get a win uh, if you get into that spot and get a win or two. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Tech sign still rolling, 512-447-3776. Keep that rolling along. Uh, how many more games will Texas win this regular season out of the last seven? Uh, we'll get into some uh, football talk as well when we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.